The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, I just wanted to hop on and give you a little bit of information about this week's podcast. It was recorded when I was walking on the beach. So the sound quality is not what, you know, we usually expect and what we like to bring to you. But I was so excited about the information that came through that I decided to run with it. So please enjoy this episode. Please enjoy the splashing water sounds in the background. And I'm hoping that wherever you are, if you are not in a place right now that is warm and sunny and splashing in the surf ready, that, you know, you'll enjoy some of that energy too, along with all the great information that came through in this episode. All right. I hope you enjoy. So over the last couple months, I have released a lot of my dependency on numbers, on external valuations of my health, of my wealth, and of my physical, mental, and emotional well-being. It started a few years ago with the scale, the weigh-in, where I realized that my attachment to the number of pounds on the scale was, rather than bringing me joy, creating a lot of anxiety and tension, right? I had learned that important measure of my health, my well-being, and my beauty had to do with an arbitrary number on the scale. And so when that number fluctuated, it would cause me some level of distress. So years ago, not just a few years ago, many years ago, probably like six or eight years ago, I finally agreed to part ways with the scale and I haven't really looked back. And that has freed me, at least to some extent, to eat what I want, do what I want, and not make that number on the scale, you know, a measure of my value, my worth, or even my physical well-being. But more recently, I've let go of some other numbers that were problematic for me, or becoming problematic for me. Another one was sleep. Because I went through a period this winter due to a medical uh, condition where 
I was having some difficulty falling and staying asleep. And I went overall from sleeping my normal like nine hours to significantly less and sometimes just a couple hours a night. And I started to perseverate and worry about, it's even making me stress talking about, right? How many hours of sleep I was getting, again, as an external standard of how healthy I would be, how good I would feel, et cetera, et cetera. And I decided because that was causing me stress that I would disengage from the clock around 8 p.m. and not look at it again until morning, right? Until the sun rose. And that way, I wouldn't be hung up on using those numbers to tell me if I got a good night's sleep, right? Numbers, those external validations, right, can certainly give us some information. And if these are not problematic numbers from you, by all means, have fun with them. But your feeling of well-being in the present moment is really all that counts. And when we give our power away, right, to some external standard, some external number, and it happens all the time, be it your cholesterol or be it your body mass index or your waist size or the number of hours you sleep. In some ways, we are trading our own experience of ourselves in the now for an external valuation. And I think for a lot of us, that can be a mind game that is simply not worth playing. Now, doctors don't yell at me about blood pressure and all of those things. I'm not, I'm not saying they don't have a role, but when we become hooked on something as being a measure of our value and work, for sure, that's where we run into trouble, okay? And that's what was happening for me. So more recently, so I've gotten rid of a lot of numbers. I gave up calorie counting probably in my late 20s, early 30s, because that was, that was the first mind trip that wasn't serving me. Got off the scale, like I said, about six to 10 years ago. But the more recent one for me, and I'd given up measuring sleep, measuring a lot of things, but the one that I was still measuring how many clients I have a week, that's a big one. How many hours I'm working versus not working, that's another big one, right? I've let go of a lot of those numbers. Woo. But one that I was still having some fun with because it was bringing me joy, right, was my step tracker and the number of steps that I was walking every day. Because one of the things that happened during my little health crisis is I also had an increased level of energy. And because of that increased level of energy, my fitness level during that time improved because I was feeling the need to be moving a lot. And I wanted to continue with that. And, you know, I've always had this strange relationship with those 10,000 steps that they say. Now, I know the 10,000 steps is something that's made up by a Japanese company completely arbitrarily to promote their step tracker and that there was absolutely little forethought and zero scientific research behind making that the optimal amount of steps that a person should walk. I also knew that to get to 10,000 steps for someone like me, it means about walking at least four miles a day, which at a moderate pace for, again, someone my age is probably about a 20 minute mile, right? And so, you know, we're talking about four miles 
right? So it's about an hour and a half every day of studs, which can be a lot. For me too, I don't wear a Fitbit or anything. I was just doing it on my phone. So a lot of those incidental steps aren't being captured because I don't actually live with my phone attached to my body. But I've always recognized that's a lot of steps. But nonetheless, I was easily tracking those 10,000, sometimes, you know, 15,000 steps without really having much of a bother during this period. And I kind of wanted to continue the gain. So I've been walking 10,000 steps most days now for over six months. And for the most part, it has been very joyous and uplifting, but I noticed something happening. And this is what prompts the conversation. I noticed that my desire to meet the external standard of 10,000 steps was usurping, was coming over my joy of figuring out like how I wanted to spend my time, right? If I, for example, went and did something during the day, it would be, you know, went away or somewhere where I couldn't walk or did something different, right? Then it definitely would impede my ability to get the steps. Moreover, right, some days I just didn't feel like going for a long walk. Felt like going for a short walk. And yet, I find that, you know, I could not help but look at those numbers, right? As an external, am I getting my 10,000 steps? Now again, there's nothing wrong with having a goal. And there's nothing wrong with the feeling of joy and pride when we accomplish that goal. And some goals are really, you know, valuable and worthy and some numbers are really powerful. I have a client right now who is very close to achieving a year of sobriety, right? 365 days of being sober. And he is very, very excited about you know, the fact that he's almost reached that milestone. And again, that is a very worthy goal. And if every day you notice another day is passing and that number is inspiring to you, I am not telling you to let it go. But for me, I realize now that 10,000 steps is shifting me away from my joy. It's shifting me away from my joy and into this idea that my value and worth and how good I did is a measure of if I can get in those steps on most days, right? Now, I do find on some level that I do feel better having these long days of exercise. At least I did for a while. I sleep better, which is important. And I do really appreciate the long walks right now. For me, they're helping me clear my mind and I have so many different things going on that time to walk is really, really precious. But those moments when I'm making a decision not based on what feels good to me, right, in the deepest sense, but based on reaching some external standard, and when those two things are at odds, my well-being versus the external standard, see friends, these are the moments when we really want to look inside and see, is that standard still serving us? And for me, I recognize it very well may not be. And I might need, as sad as it is, to let it go. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further 
allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I think one of the reasons why we create these external standards and cling to them so heartily is because we've all been taught not to trust ourselves. We've been taught that we're not trustworthy. From the time that we were little children, we have been told to just trust our inclinations. And I get it, right? We live in a world of crazy temptations, right? And a little child that sees these two little holes in the wall and wants to stick their finger in it and mom says, no, that's an electrical socket. You know, we do have to be educated to some respects to the ways of the world, right? A parent saying, you know, we don't have soda for breakfast, right? Again, there's a certain amount of teaching that needs to go on and let it be done lovingly and gently and without judgment or shame because that's really important too because sometimes we get the message when mom says no that we've done something wrong or we shouldn't have wanted it anyway. Whereas your curiosity as a young child about the electrical switch is perfectly warranted. What child wouldn't be curious about what those little holes are there for, right? But your world knowledge, you know, has not caught up with the fact that sticking your finger in them or your metal toy <laughs> is not a wise choice. Right? So hopefully these messages are delivered lovingly and with respect for the curiosity and for the desire because soda tastes good. So why wouldn't you want it first thing in the morning? Sometimes, too, some of our external standards and things that we've learned are right and wrong don't serve us. You know, for example, I remember when my daughter was young, she was obsessed for a period of time with mushrooms. She just loved eating mushrooms. And we went to my husband's aunt's house in the outskirts of Paris and uh, spent the night. And we had mushrooms for dinner the night before and then for breakfast. My daughter asked again for some mushrooms. And his aunt was like, no, no, no. One must not eat mushrooms for breakfast. Here, have a chocolate croissant. Right? In my calculation, the mushrooms were a much better choice for breakfast than the chocolate croissant. And I was honoring that my child was obviously craving something in mushrooms that was making her desire them so heartily. But again, the guys are reminding me, I also have my own beliefs. I have my belief that sugar and carbs are somehow less valuable to your system than, you know, whole foods and mushrooms, right? And so again, it's not about the external rules or things that we've learned so much as learning to reconnect and tap into our own essential nature and to learn that we now have enough information to trust that, right? We have enough information to trust that. When you're a young child coming into the world, right, there is a belief that you are unsafe. You know, you are unfit until you are quote unquote civilized. That is the way the game of life is played up until now. You know, I was blessed as a child to attend alternative schools where our curiosity and our interests and our inclinations were actually honored, I think, much more than they are in other places. And I'm very, very, very grateful for that. Because again, I think it did pave the way for me to do the work that I do and for me to develop trust 
and my own curiosity and my own creativity, right? And my own drive more so than I think other people, you know, have been able to easily and freely develop. At least I think it worked well for me. But in learning to let go of that external standard, we do have to start to learn to listen to ourselves. And we also have to learn to discern between the inner thwarted child, right? The child that wanted that soda for breakfast was told, you cannot have that, you are wrong, right? And so from a place of ego, just wants to prove that it's okay, just wants what it wants, and that many of us play this inner dialogue in our heads between the inner child, right, that we think is errant and wrong, and the inner parent, you know, that thwarted our desires. And we just play that game endlessly and it doesn't serve. It actually keeps us locked into a pattern whereby we don't actually tune into our natural inclinations, right? Because I think there are very few circumstances where eating or drinking soda for breakfast, although my friend growing up did used to pour Mountain Dew soda on her breakfast cereal, and that was a thing in her family, so, and you can hear some judgment in my voice, so I apologize for that, Rosemary. <laughs> that was not something I was allowed to do. But regardless, like most of us would probably think, maybe that's not the best choice. Maybe our intuition wouldn't take us there. But then again, who the heck knows? Yours truly has developed a habit as of late on many mornings waking up and eating dark chocolate because I find that I crave chocolate and I was finding that if I ate it too late during the day, it didn't play well with my sleep. And so I'm thinking now again that it may be more habit than healthy craving and feeling into that. But I do believe the initial impulse was because there was something in that chocolate that my body needs. And sometimes, I've talked about this before around intuitive eating, sometimes there's an association or something else that's drawing us to something that is absolutely fine and serves as well. Right, but the deal is for us to learn to listen. The other thing the guides say is that when we give our power away to those external numbers, be it your BMI, body mass index, or how many steps you walk, or how many hours you sleep, or how many clients you bring in at work, or how much money you have in the bank, those things can never, ever, 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 ever be measures of our own worth and well-being. They can't. We've been taught that they are. We've been taught your well-being has to do with your certain metrics and measures of health, certain metrics and measures of wealth, perhaps certain metrics and measures of goodness, you know, being a good human being, whatever that means to you, right? But they're not. You've heard me say this before and I'll say it again, your worth and value was given at birth. It was given at birth, it is yours to keep. And nothing, nothing in this human experience, nothing you do, nothing you have, nothing you are, nothing anyone else says or gives to you or takes away from you or any of the above can change that, right? Your worth is inherent. Your lovability is inherent, right? You are a spark of the divine. End of story. And when it comes to our well-being too, we often outsource our well-being to these external things, these external measurements, right? But how is that going for you? How is that going for you? I'm guessing not really well. 
oftentimes we achieve something in the external and so for a moment we're like, wahoo, I have worth. And then because we put all our energy on that external thing, it shifts, it changes, something else comes along and boom, we're back thinking, you know, running on empty. And at the end of the day, you can feel good in all sorts of situations. Yours truly woke up once in the middle of the night after having very little sleep for many, many nights and had one of the most profound and amazing experiences I think I've had in this body. True story, right? Tell me my mind that was telling me right now you should be asleep. I do like to sleep. We don't know. It's what our mind tells us. Moreover, the guides say, and they really want me to stress this more than anything else, the only true measure of your own well-being is how you feel in the now or what you experience in the now and the story you're telling yourself about what you're experiencing right so if I'm telling myself I had a bad day or I'm lazy or whatever I don't think I would go that far personally because I didn't make my 10,000 steps today I'm outsourcing my happiness to something to an external standard that you know at some point is going to fail me and cease to bring me joy when I could find it right now, irregardless of how many steps I walk. Even if I am a couch potato who wakes up most mornings, plops down in front of the TV with a bag of potato chips and a box of chocolate, sounding very good to me right now, right? And that is my entire lot in life. You know, no value, judgment, or loss needed. Now, some of you are saying, oh my God, this is my biggest fear, right? If I let go of those numbers, that's who I will become. And again, be gentle with yourself. We're all learning to listen to ourselves. We're all learning to tune into that great source of well-being. But for some of you, that's exactly what you might need to do. You might need to know that I am lovable even without that job. I am lovable even without that house. I am lovable even without my 10,000 steps, right? Sometimes that is actually what we are called to learn. And if we don't learn it, when we have those things, sometimes our life will conveniently remove them for us so that we can have an opportunity to have that lesson, okay? So I don't wish that for you. Keep the stuff, the stuff is fun too. It's an expression of your beautifulness how we play this game of life. And the external world is an expression of how we're doing internally, or it can be, it can be a beautiful tableau on which to, to create. We just don't want to lose ourselves in that creation or to lose ourselves in the idea that what we create has anything to do with our value, our worth, or our well-being, right? Because all of those things are internal jobs, right? Your worth and value you are born within your well-being is simply the choice that you make each moment in the now to be at peace with what is. Mm -hmm. That's it. So I think that's all I need to say on this topic. It's kind of a shame I'm walking on the beach because I'm pretty sure there's no way in heck that my beautiful podcast editor can salvage this one. But you never know. You never know. So if she did, <laughs> and if there's an audience, I just want to thank you all for tuning in and letting me do what I get to do, especially from this beautiful beach. And namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, 
and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.